Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhira, the Afterlife, Part 2, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. Al-Akhira, if you want to know the importance of it compared to dunya, then use a simple mathematical equation to find out the ratio between Akhira and dunya. If you're going to live in dunya for 60, 70, let's assume 100 years, and the life in akhirah is eternal, infinity, then make a ratio between both to compare between the importance of dunya and akhirah. So when you divide 100 by infinity, what is the result you get? Zero. So when we're comparing dunya with akhirah, dunya comes out as zero. So it's zero importance compared to akhirah. And the sahaba, without going through these equations, they knew that. Their khutab were about akhirah. Their lessons were about akhirah. Their reminders were about akhirah. Rasulullah would give them speeches about akhirah. Quran mentions akhirah with elaborate details. And now we're talking about Yawm Al-Qiyamah. We talked about death. We talked about the life of Al-Barzakh, the grave. And now we're talking about Qiyamah. And Al-Qiyamah is one day. It's only one day. But it's going to take a while for us to talk about. Because it's a very important day and it's a very long day. It's 50,000 years long. There's one Bedouin, Arabi, who made a dua in front of Rasulullah and Rasulullah was very impressed with this dua. He liked it a lot. It has a lot of wisdom in it. The dua is long, but mention to you the last part of it. This Bedouin said, أَسْأَلُكَ أَن تَجْعَلْ خَيْرَ أَعْمَالِ آخِرَهَا I ask you to make the best of my deeds the last ones. وَخَيْرَ عُمُرِ آخِرَهَا And the best of my life the end of it. And then he chose one day to be the best of his days. What day did he choose? Did he choose the day of his graduation ceremony? Or the day of his marriage ceremony? Or what day? He said, the day I meet you. Oh Allah, make my best day the day I meet you. That's the day of judgment. And there's a lot of wisdom in this because that particular day is 50,000 years long. I mean, your life compared to that day is a fraction. So if that day goes fine, then you're fine. That day is the most important day. If things go well with you on that day, you have won. If things go wrong on that day, then no matter how happy your life was, it wouldn't do you any good. If you had pleasant life, day in and day out in dunya, but then the day of judgment doesn't work out fine for you, then you have lost everything. So this Bedouin, had a lot of wisdom when he said, وَجْعَلْ خَيْرَ أَيَّامِ يَوْمَ أَلْقَاكَ And make the best of my days the day I meet you. And the day we will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the day of judgment. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us meet him and he's pleased with us. We want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's pleased with us. That's all what counts. The day of judgment is very long and many things happen in it. Many events that happen on the day of judgment. And People go through a lot of situations on that day. And we'll divide that. And by the way, 
the outline of these lectures and the order that I'm going through and the way it's all the blueprint for it, I adopted it from an excellent series of books written by Sheikh Umar al-Ashqar. Sheikh Umar al-Ashqar has written a series of books called Al-Aqidah, in Aqidah, in, in Creed. It's divided into different sections. And he made, he devoted a whole section for the Akhirah. And he divided it into Al-Qiyam al-Sughra, Al-Qiyam al-Kubra, Al-Jannah al-Nahr. And Sheikh Umar al-Ashqar has dug into and went deep through the Ummahat al-Kutub, the old books, Ummahat al-Kutub, the Ummahat al-Kutub means the mothers of books. And these are the traditional old books written by the scholars of Islam. And he went through hundreds of these books and he dug into them deep and he brought for us the treasures from those books to have it in that series. That series unfortunately is not translated in English, but inshallah we're using it as a reference for us and that is also the outline for uh, these talks. So he divides the situations of people into three. He talks about the situation of the disbelievers, the situation of the Muslims who are sinners, and then he talks about the situation of al-muttaqin, the righteous. And for tonight we're going to talk about the first section and that is the uh, non-believers. Al-kuffar wal-asah wal-muttaqun. He divides it into the disbelievers, and al-mu'minun al-usah, the believers but who have mixed good and bad, and then al-muttaqin. For the disbelievers, he divides that into uh, three sections. Number one, he talks about al-dhul wal-hawan, the disgrace and the degradation that the ones who rejected truth go through on the Day of Judgment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Qur'an, يَوْمَ يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاتِ سِرَاعًا سِرَاعًا كَأَنَّهُمْ إِلَى نُصُبٍ يُوفِضُونَ خَاشِعَةً أَبْصَارُهُمْ تَرْهَقُهُمْ ذِلَّهُ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمُ الَّذِي كَانُوا يُوعَدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the day when they come out of their graves quickly as if they are racing to a goal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes when the graves open, people come out rushing from their graves as if they're racing towards a flag or a goal. Everybody's running. But in reality, they're not really running to a particular place. They're running because of the events happening on that day and the fear and the horror. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it in another ayah, you see the people as if they're drunk. They're running around. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They are not drunk, but it's the terror and the horror of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Consider not that Allah is unaware of that which the wrongdoers do. Many of us, when we see oppression and we see dhulm, we kind of wonder how come this is happening? How could it happen and how could this continue? And how can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this to happen? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمِلُ الظَّالِمُونَ Don't think that Allah is unaware. Allah is aware. Allah knows. Allah sees everything. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يُؤَخِّرُهُمْ لِيَوْمٍ تَشْخَصُ فِيهِ الْأَبْصَارِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but He gives them respite up to a day when the eyes will stare in horror. مُهْطِعِينَ مُقْنِعِي رُؤُوسِهِمْ لَا يَرْتَدُّ إِلَيْهِمْ طَرْفُهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that their necks are outstretched and their heads are turned back and their eyes are not blinking. Now imagine with me the scene of people who are standing on the Day of Judgment. Their necks are outstretched, their heads are bent up and their eyes are staring up and they're not blinking. They're staring and the eyes cannot blink. Because you cannot afford a moment of unawareness on that day. The eye is wide open. And the eye cannot even blink. Even though in dunya for all of its life this eye was asleep. But on that day the eye cannot even afford to blink. Because that is the day in which everything will be revealed. لا يرتد إليهم طرفهم their eyes would not blink. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَا يَرْتَدُّ إِلَيْهِمْ طَرْفُهُمْ وَأَفْئِدَتُهُمْ And their hearts are empty. Hawa means air. And it also means emptiness. We usually refer to, the, to a strong heart as a very, when a heart is very firm and strong, that is a sign of courage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on that day that the hearts would be like air, featherweight. Anything that happens around would immediately throw a fear shock in their bodies. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in another ayah that, that their hearts are in al-hanajr, in their throats, kazameen. There is so much pain inside them, they're about to explode and their hearts are choking their throats. The day of judgment. When we talk about it, it seems like something very far away. Something in the future. Something unattainable. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْآزِفَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called it Al-Azifah. Al-Azifah is something that is right here. The Day of Judgment is not far away. The Day of Judgment is close. And it's very soon. In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another ayah says, أَتَى the decree of Allah has arrived. And the decree of Allah in this ayah is referring to the hour, the day of judgment. It has arrived. Don't hasten it to come. It's, it's coming, it's there. Now we're talking about the day of judgment. Pretty soon all of us here are going to be standing in the day of judgment. We're going to be there. And all of this stuff that we're describing from papers, we're going to see it with our own eyes. And it's very soon. Because right now, if you look back to your life, all of the memories that you have, if you try to combine them and I ask you to narrate them to me, you could do that in half an hour or one hour. And we're talking about years. And pretty soon we're going to be lying on our beds ready to pass away. And then pretty soon after that the Day of Judgment will occur. So it's not far away. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called it Al-Azifah. The day that is 
soon, or is coming, or is there. On that day, the day of judgment, Yom Al-Qiyamah, and Qiyamah means standing, because people will be standing on that day. Rasulullah said, Tadnu shams min al-khala'iq. The sun would descend on the creation. Bimakdar meal, a distance of a mile. Now the word meal in Arabic means a distance, or it means also the rod which they use for al-kuhl, eyeliners or whatever, a very small distance. But the point is that the sun will be very close. And in Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah says that people will sweat according to their deeds. Some of them, they would sweat, and their sweat would soak the earth, and then it would reach to their ankles. Some of them, they would sweat, and it would reach to their knees. Some of them, it would reach to their shoulders, and some of them would drown in their sweat. The worse the sins are, the more the person would sweat. Because they're suffering more from the heat of the sun. But the righteous ones are under what? Under the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, under the shade. So according to the deeds of the people, they would sweat on that day. Another situation that the walama, the oppressors would go through, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this. And by the way, when we... You see a lot of ayat in Qur'an demand imagination. If you don't imagine, you're not going to understand and get the right perception of the ayah. Qur'an, there is taswir in it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you images. And especially when we're talking about akhirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses these images a lot to convey to you the information. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَوْمَ يَعَضُّ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا the day when the wrongdoer, a zalim, the oppressor, would bite. Now when you're, when you are in an extreme state of regret, you could bite on your finger, right? You feel pain and you're biting on the finger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say that they're biting on their fingers. Allah did not say they're biting on a hand. The day when the wrongdoer would bite their both hands. Just imagine the scene of somebody pushing his hands into his mouth and crushing on those bones and flesh and tearing the hands apart. And not feeling that pain because the pain of regret is more. Even though regret is a psychological pain, but imagine that there would be so much regret that even when that person bites both hands, that physical pain would be less than the psychological pain they feel because of regret in the hearts. Why? I wish that I have followed the messenger. I wish that I have followed the messenger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And when the hour occurs, the non-believers would give up. The criminals, the disbeliever, the one who rejected faith, Yublis means you give up. There is no argument. Who are you going to argue with and what are you going to argue about? They just give up. Yublis means you lose hope, completely lose hope. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says,
لو تسوى بهم الأرض ولا يكتمون الله حديثا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on that day the ones who disbelieved and disobeyed the messenger would wish that they would be leveled with the earth. This is a person who was so attached to dunya. This is a person who was willing to sell their religion for a miser return, for nothing. A person who loved and valued life so much, on the day of judgment they would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to level them with the earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another ayah, وَيَقُولُ الْكَافِرُ يَا لَيْتَنِي كُنْتُ تُرَابًا When the disbeliever would say, I wish that I am dirt. These are people who had so much desires and so much hopes and so much aspirations. On the day of judgment, they would wish that they would be dirt when they would see the reality of the situation. And this tells you that we are living in a state of dream. The second section in regards to the situation of the disbelievers on the day of judgment is Ihbatul A'mal. Voiding the deeds. All the deeds would be void. Unaccepted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ بِقِيَعَةٍ يَحْسَبُوا الظَّمْآنُ مَاءً The ones who disbelieved, their deeds are like a mirage in a desert. السراب is a phenomenon that happens in deserts and it also happens in very hot areas. And it's very clear when you're driving on a highway, especially on pavement, you can see it. A mirage is when you are in a very hot area, a desert, you see in the horizon what appears to be water. It's an optical illusion. Because of the fumes and the air and the humidity, your eye gets the perception that there is water in the horizon. And then you keep on going towards it and it's going further away. And there's nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this as an illustration of the deeds of the disbeliever. Their deeds are like a mirage in a desert. They are doing all of these deeds, thinking that the deeds would benefit them, that these deeds are water in a desert. And they're rushing towards that water and there's nothing. يَحْسَبُهُ الظَّمْآنُ مَا حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَهُ لَمْ يَجِدْهُ شَيَاءَ When they approach it, they find it nothing. What do they find there? يَحْسَبُهُ الظَّمْآنُ مَا أَنْ حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَهُ لَمْ يَجِدْهُ شَيْئًا وَوَجَدَ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ وَوَجَدَ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ فَوَفَّاهُ حِسَابَهُ they would not find their deeds, but they would find Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would then give them their dues. And that is punishment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gives another representation. مِن فَوْقِهِ مَوْجٌ مِن فَوْقِهِ سَحَابٌ ظُلُمَاتٌ بَعْضُهَا فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ إِذَا أَخْرَجَ يَدَهُ لَمْ يَكَدْ يَرَاهَا Levels of waves over waves and then clouds, darknesses one over another. So these deeds are darknesses. And the more they do them, the more darkness accumulates 
حتى إذا أخرج يده ولم يكدرها to the extent that one of them will extend their hand out and they can't even see it and this will actually happen to them literally on the day of judgment they would lose light on al-sirat we know that on the day of judgment al-sirat it's very dark and the believers would be given light the ones who rejected faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it would be dark it would be so dark it would be pitch black dark that one of them would extend their hand in front of their eyes and they can't even see it this is one illustration Allah gives analogy gives to these deeds Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives another analogy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says مثل ما ينفقون في هذه الحياة الدنيا كمثل ريح فيها صر أصابت حرث قوم ظلموا أنفسهم فأهلكت وما ظلمهم الله ولكن أنفسهم يظلمون Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving here a presentation to the money that they spend A lot of money is spent to fight Islam and a lot of money was spent to fight Islam before. A lot of money is spent in the purpose. Billions and billions of dollars are spent today for that purpose. Just to prevent the spread of this religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this money that is spent. Or any money that they spend. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the likeliness of what they spend in this world is like... A very cold wind that blows over their harvest. So they lose all of their harvest. فَأَهْلَكَتْ It would destroy it. In other words, a frostbite. Very cold wind that would destroy the plants. They plowed the earth. They planted the seed. They took care of it and nourished it until the plants grew up. And it's time to take the fruits and then this wind was sent on these plants, on this harvest and it destroyed it all. The next day they go and they want to get their fruits. When they are in great need to get them, they find nothing. This money is spent now for the sake of achieving objectives. But then on the Day of Judgment, it will all be wasted. And they would not find anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا اللَّهُ When we talk about these ayat that say that their deeds are useless, you might wonder, isn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just? Isn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to reward the people according to their deeds? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to clarify that in your mind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah did not oppress them, but they have oppressed themselves. People have oppressed themselves. It is not Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold you accountable to your deeds. A third analogy given to the deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَرَمَادٍ اشْتَدَّتْ بِهِ الرِّيحُ فِي يَوْمٍ عَاصِفٍ لَا يَقْدِرُونَ مِمَّا كَسَبُوا عَلَى شَيْءٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives another analogy and that is ashes. Their deeds are like ashes. So imagine a mountain of ashes. That's your deeds. It appears to be big and huge. You have done a lot of acts. You have done a lot of deeds. So you have a huge mountain. So you go there to collect your reward 
and a violent wind comes and blows away, a storm comes and blows away all of that, all of those ashes in front of your eyes. And you're trying to hold ashes. What can you hold? Ashes. It's nothing. There's no substance. There's no substance to any deeds that are not done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why. And look at the wonderful and the, and the eloquence of the, uh, of the uh, illustrations of Qur'an. Ashes are a lot. You have a huge mountain of it. But it's nothing. It's worthless. Why? Because of one of two reasons. Number one, these deeds are missing the requirement of ikhlas, sincerity. Or number two, they're missing the requirement of itba' following Rasulullah For any deed to be acceptable, it must fulfill two requirements. Otherwise, it's not accepted. Number one, it has to be done with ikhlas, sincerity. You do it sincerely for the sake of Allah alone, not for anyone else. If you do a good thing, a good deed, but you're doing it for someone other than Allah, justice says that you shouldn't expect Allah to reward you for it. If you did not do it for Allah to start with, how come you want Allah to reward you for it? And that is exactly what will happen on the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the people, whoever used to worship the idols, go to the idols and let them reward you. Whoever used to worship human beings, go to them and let them reward you. Whoever used to worship the angels, go to them and let them reward you. Whoever used to worship me, I will reward you. These deeds are missing one of these two requirements. The second requirement is al-attiba'ah. Al-attiba' is following Rasulullah sallallahu You do it the right way. The act has to be done the right way. You cannot invent the way you want to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You cannot make it up. You have to do it the way that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah knows better than you. Therefore, you leave it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show you the way to worship Him. Allah is the one who is asking you to worship Him. You need to do it Allah's way, not the way. Otherwise, it's not. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally gives another analogy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا We came to all of their acts and we made it هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا What is هَبَاءً? Ali ibn Abi Talib describes to us هَبَاءً if you're in a, a dark or a semi-dark room and there's a, a small window and light is coming through that window, you can, see, you can see small particles in the light, right? You can see small particles flo- floating in the air. Those small particles that are floating in the air are called haba. That's haba. And you can see it, they, they exist in the air right now over here, but you can especially see it if you're in a dark room and there's a ray of light coming through, you can see them in that ray of light, these small particles floating through the air. That's haba. So all of these deeds that were done are going to be haba and manthura is scattered. You try to collect your deeds, they're scattering in the air. It's all gone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ هَلْ نُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالًا الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ صُنْعًا أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ وَلِقَائِهِ 
فحبطت أعمالهم فلا نقيم لهم يوم القيامة وزنا ذلك جزاؤهم جهنم بما كفروا واتخذوا آياتي ورسلي هزوا الله سبحانه وتعالى says Shall I tell you about the greatest losers? Who's the greatest loser? Islam gives us definition to concepts. We have a definition of the concept of happiness. There's an Islamic definition of the concept of loss. Islamic definition of the concept of, the concept of good. Islamic definition of the concept of bad. And sometimes we need to align our concepts with our understanding to the Islamic definition. Because sometimes we think that happiness is something different. We think that loss is something different. Many times, whenever you say the word, I lost something, your mind would go to losing a game or losing in business, losing money. But that's not the Islamic definition of loss. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is telling us here what the greatest loss is. You want to know what the greatest loss is? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the greatest losers are the ones who wasted their efforts in this world thinking that they were doing good. That's the greatest loss. You're, you think that you're doing good, but you're not. You're doing wrong. Who are they? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أُولَيْكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ وَلِقَائِهِ Those are the ones who disbelieved in the signs of Allah and in meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So their deeds were lost. حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فَلَا نُقِيمُ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَزْنَا We will not assign any weight to them on the Day of Judgment. You come to the scale, you want to weigh your deeds, it's zero. أُولَٰئِكَ ذَلِكَ جَزَاءَهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ بِمَا كَفَرُوا وَاتَّخَذُوا آيَاتِ وَرُسُلِي هُزُوا The reward will be hellfire because of disbelief and taking my verses and my messengers as a jest of mockery. The uh, third situation is التخاصم is arguments and disputes that happen on the Day of Judgment. And it's divided the author has divided that into four kinds of disputes. Al-ibad wal ma'budin. Disputes and arguments between the worshipped and the worshippers. Number two, al-atba' wal matbu'in. Arguments and debates between the followers and the followed. And number three, disputes between al-insan wa qarinu. The human being and the qareen. The qareen is the shaitan that is following every person. And finally, number four, al-insan ma'adaih. Disputes and arguments between oneself and your own body. We'll start with the first types of disputes, and that is al-ibad wal ma'budin. Arguments and disputes between the worshipped and the worshippers. We could divide that into, or we could talk about. Arguments that happen between the worshippers of idols and the idols, worshippers of angels and the angels, and the worshippers of Jesus and Isa alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in reference to the worshipping of al-asnam, the idols, وَيَوْمَ نَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ نَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا مَكَانَكُمْ أَنْتُمْ وَشُرَكَاءُكُمْ And the day wherein we shall gather them all together. We shall say to those who set partners in worship with us, stop at your place with your partners. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring these idols, according to one interpretation, the ayah is talking about idols, and Allah will bring their followers, and Allah will tell them, stop at your place. And then Allah will separate between them. The idols will say, you didn't worship us. And another interpretation, it says that this is talking about the shayateen, and the shayateen will say, you weren't worshipping us. They will deny it. They will just straight out lie. فَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ إِن كُنَّا عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ لَغَافِلِينَ Who the people used to make sujood for day and night, for years in their life, those pieces of rock on the Day of Judgment will say, إِن كُنَّا عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ لَغَافِلِينَ We didn't know that you were worshipping us. These are pieces of rock, stone. They don't know what's going on. So these stones, these idols on the day of judgment will say, what were you doing? We don't even know that you were worshipping us. We had no idea that we were doing that. I mean, this is really something that would upset a person who used to worship idols for all of his life, that he comes and say, my God, help me. The God will say, I didn't even know that you were worshipping. I am a piece of rock. I'm a stone. And then some of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were worshipped without their permission and they didn't even want it, like for example with the angels. The angels never wanted to be worshipped. Nevertheless, there are some who worshipped it. For example, some of the mushrikeen of Arabia, they used to worship the angels. And in other nations also, there is a lot of attachment to the angels and worshipping of the angels. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in regards to the angels, وَيَوْمَ يَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ يَقُولُ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ ثُمَّ يَقُولُ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ أَهَاؤُلَاءِ إِيَّاكُمْ كَانُوا يَعْبُدُونَ And remember the day when he will gather them all together. Then he will say to the angels, Was it you that these people used to worship? Allah will bring the angels and Allah will ask the angels. Is it you that these people used to worship? Does Allah know the answer? Allah knows the answer. So what is the purpose of this question? Allah is asking this question to the angels in front of the people who used to worship the angels so that these people will hear the answer from the mouths of the angels. It is shahada, witness. And this occurs frequently in Quran on the Day of Judgment that Allah will bring these gods and let them state their position on this themselves. It is ishad for the people, witnessing on the people. What will the angels say? Qalu subhanak. The first thing they will say, glory be to you. Subhanak means tanzih al-haq. Tanzih Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an kullu naqas. When you say subhanallah, what the word subhan means is that you are negating any deficiency, any bad attributes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you are affirming every complete attribute to Allah. The angels, the first thing they said, Subhana, glory be to you. And then they said, قَالُوا سُبْحَانَكَ أَنْتَ وَلِيُّنَا مِنْ دُونِهِمْ You are our Lord instead of them. بَلْ كَانُوا يَعْبُدُونَ الْجِنِّ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِهِمْ مُؤْمِنُونَ But they used to worship jinn. Most of them were believers in them. A lot of these stories that people say 
I saw an angel, an angel came to me in my dream, an angel did this and that to me, I spoke to an angel. That is interaction with jinn. There are many human beings who are worshipped besides Allah. But the human being that was worshipped most was Isa. Isa salam was used for one of the biggest forms of shirk that ever existed on earth. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala singled out the worshipping of Isa and talked about it in these ayat. Even though many others were worshipped, Allah did not specify names. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only specifically mentioned the name of Isa ibn Maryam. Because a lot of shirk, a lot of associating other gods is done in the name of Isa, even though Isa, Jesus, has nothing to do with it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and these ayat are happening on the Day of Judgment. Allah says, وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ أَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ And remember when Allah will say on the day of resurrection, and remember, who is Allah speaking to? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and everyone who reads Quran. And remember, when Allah will ask Isa on the day of judgment, how can you remember something that didn't happen yet? How can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or anyone reading Quran and remember when Allah will ask Isa on the day of judgment? One of the Mufassirin comments on this and he says, in regards to the human being, time divides into three, past, present and future. These are the uh, divisions or the categories of time that we have. Past, present and future. As human beings, we have no control whatsoever over the, over the future. We do not control the outcome in future. Therefore, we do not know the future. The future to us is unknown. Why? Because we do not control the outcome. If you make the intention now of standing up and walking out of this room, you don't control that outcome. There is a possibility that something can prevent you. There is a possibility that something will happen. You could die, the roof could fall down, uh, you could change your mind. We have no way of controlling the future. It's out of our hands. We can plan for it, we could do our best, but we do not control it. Therefore, the future remains unknown to us. But for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is different. For a lot of time, events that happened and events that did not happen. The past, the present and the future for Allah is the same. It's an open book for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He knows everything. In fact, He's the one who created خَلَقَكُمْ وَمَا تَعْمَلُونَ Allah created you and your actions. Everything is created by Allah. The future to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is known and it will happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can talk about it as if it is past. Because to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it will happen. And when Allah says, أَتَى أَمْرُ اللَّهِ فَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ The decree of Allah has came. So don't hasten it. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the future events that did not happen, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, since He decreed them, Allah knows the outcomes of the situation and Allah can affirm it as if it has already happened. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَإِذْ And وَإِذْ means وَذْكُرْ وَإِذْ وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ أَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say unto men, worship me and my mother as two gods besides Allah? Allah is asking Isa. Isa is standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. In front of all creation. And Allah brings Isa ibn Maryam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking Isa and telling him, Did you tell the people to worship you and your mother? And the mother is mentioned here, even though she is not literally worshipped, because she was named the mother of God. So that's a divine attribute that is given to her. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that it is as if they are worshipping her. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking Isa, Did you tell men, worship me and my mother? What will Isa say? The first word. قَالَ سُبْحَانَكَ مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أَقُولَ مَا لَيْسَ لِي بِحَقٍّ إِنْ كُنْتُ قُلْتُهُ فَقَدْ عَلِمْتَهُ تَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي وَلَا أَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِكَ Glory be to you. It was not for me to say what I have no right to say. I have no right to say this. If I said so, you would know it. If I did say that, you would know it. So Isa ibn Maryam did not say it. And then Isa said, you know what is in my heart. In other words, Isa ibn Maryam is saying that this thought and idea never even came and passed through my mind. You know my heart. I never even thought about this. This thought never even passed through my mind. And I don't know your knowledge. Isa, and again, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know the answer to this question? Allah already knows it. Then why is Allah asking Isa alayhi salam so that he can say it in front of everyone? And Isa ibn Maryam is affirming and saying, Subhanak in the beginning, glory be to you. And then he says, I never said that. And if I said it, you know it, and you know what is in my heart, and I don't know the unseen. So Isa ibn Maryam is showing the people that he's a human being and he doesn't know the future. And then he says, you, only you, are the all-knower of all that is hidden. And then he said, مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ إِلَّا مَا أَمَرْتَنِي بِهِ Never did I say to them aught except what you did command me to say. What did Allah command him to say? Worship Allah, my Lord and your Lord. And then Isa ibn Maryam says, He says, if you punish them, they are your servants. And if you forgive them, you are Almighty, the All-Wise. Isa is announcing this in front of everyone. And he's saying that the judgment on this day belongs to Allah. It doesn't belong to me. These are your servants. If you want to punish them, they are yours. You own them. They are yours. They are your slaves. And if you want to forgive them, you are the Almighty. Al-Aziz al-Hakim. So he's handing all the authority and saying it all belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ اللَّهُ هَذَا يَوْمُ يَنْفَعُ الصَّادِقِينَ صِدْقُهُمْ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ 
تجري من تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها أبدا رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه ذلك الفوز العظيم Allah will say this is a day on which the truthful will profit from their truth. This is the day where truth will benefit you. This is what will happen with Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam. And for us this event as if it has already happened because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it will happen, it will happen as if it's there. The next topic under the takhasam, the disputes is the disputes between the followers and the followed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَبَرَزُوا لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا And they all shall appear before Allah on the Day of Judgment. وَبَرَزُوا لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا فَقَالَ الضُّعَفَاءُ لِلَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا إِنَّا كُنَّا لَكُمْ تَبَعًا إِنَّا كُنَّا لَكُمْ تَبَعًا فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُغْنُونَ عَنَّا مِنْ عَذَابِ اللَّهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Then the weak will say to those who are arrogant, Verily we were following you. Now an argument is happening between the weak and the strong. The weak will say to the arrogant and strong, We used to follow you. Can you avail us anything against Allah's torment? These weak who are following the arrogant in this dunya, on the day of judgment, they will go to their leaders and they will tell the leaders, we were your followers in dunya. Can you please help us on this day? What will the leaders say? They will say, قَالُوا لَوْ هَدَانَ اللَّهُ لَهَدَيْنَاكُمْ سواء علينا أجزعنا أم صبرنا ما لنا من محيص Had Allah guided us, we would have guided you. It makes no difference to us now whether we rage or bear with patience. There is no place of refuge for us. These leaders who used to promise their followers that we're going to help you, we're going to support you on the Day of Judgment, they will say, we can do you nothing. It doesn't make a difference. If we complain or we don't, we can do you nothing. Sayyid Qutb has some insightful words in this ayah. And I'll read them in Arabic and translate them. He says, these are tafsir that he has given to this ayah. وَالضُعَفَاءُ هُمُ الضُعَفَاءُ هُمُ الَّذِينَ تَنَازَلُوا عَنْ أَخَصِّ خَصَائِسِ الْإِنسَانِ الْكَرِيمِ عَلَى اللَّهِ حين تنازلوا عن حريتهم الشخصية في التفكير والاعتقاد والاتجاه. He says the weak people are the ones who gave up one of the unique characteristics of the human being and that is the personal freedom of thought and belief. What is the unique quality of the human being, al-insan? The freedom that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given this human being to choose. Because everything else in the universe is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a form of taslim, submission. Everything is subdued. This movement of the sun and the movement of the planets and the movements of the stars, the moon, the trees, they're all worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their movements are forms of worship. The human being is the only creation, also jinn, who have the right to choose whether they want to believe or not. 
There is no kafir in the universe except a human being or a jinn. Otherwise everything else is Muslim. So one of the most unique qualities of the human being is the freedom of thinking that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the human being. So Sayyid Qutb is saying, they have became weak because they have given up this freedom of choice which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. وَالضَّعْفُ لَيْسَ عُذْرًا بَلْ هُوَ جَرِيمَةً فَمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهِ لِأَحَدْ أَنْ يَكُونَ ضَعِيفًا He says this weakest weakness is not an excuse for them. It is a crime. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not, anyone, does not want anyone to be weak. They cannot use their weakness as an excuse in front of Allah on the Day of Judgment. They would say, we were weak, we didn't know what's going on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the freedom of thinking and the freedom of choice. And Allah has equipped you with the tools that would guide you to the truth if you use them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the ayah, وَاللَّهُ أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِنْ بُطُونِ أُمَّهَادِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا Allah is the one who delivered you out of the wombs of your mothers and you knew nothing. When you were born, did you know anything? Nothing, you knew nothing. How did you learn? How did you get to the state you are in now? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَعَلَ لَكُمُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارَ وَالْأَفْئِدَةَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Allah has given you eyes and ears and minds. Eyes and ears and minds are the tools of gaining knowledge. Our eyes and our ears gather and collect the information and the mind processes, processes this information. How do you learn? You learn by hearing and by reading and by seeing. That's how the child learns. They learn also through touch and smell, by the five senses. But studies have shown, and it doesn't even need a study, it's obvious, that most of the knowledge that we gain is through the eyes and the ears. And then the mind processes that information. Allah says in the end of the ayah, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Why did Allah give you eyes and ears and minds? Why? So that you would be grateful. Allah has given you the tools of knowledge so that you would use this knowledge to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Allah. Unfortunately, mankind have used these tools to learn everything relating to dunya and learn nothing relating to akhirah. We have learned a lot in terms of dunya. Look at where humanity is today compared to 100 years ago or 1000 years ago. We have made it a long way. We have learned a lot. Technology is throwing us with new inventions in hundreds of, we have hundreds of inventions on a daily basis. SubhanAllah, this movement is, it seems to be endless of what the human mind is able to achieve. But when it comes to Akhirah, when it comes to the main purpose of learning, we have disabled this mind. We're not using it for that purpose. This excuse of weakness on the Day of Judgment is not an excuse. SubhanAllah, it is a crime in itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you those tools and you shut them down, you disabled them and you became a blind follower. And then he says, وَالْقُوَّ الْمَادِّيَّةِ كَائِنَةِ مَا كَانَتْ لَا تَمْلِكُ أَن تَسْتَعْبِدْ إِنسَانًا يُرِيدُ الْحُرِّيَّةِ وَيَسْتَمْسِكُ بِكَرَامَتِهِ الْأَدَمِيَّةِ فَقُصَارَ مَا تَمْلِكُهُ تِلْكَ الْقُوَّةِ أَن تَمْلِكُ الْجَسَدِ أَن تَمْلِكَ الْجَسَدِ تُؤْذِيهِ وَتُعَذِّبُهُ وَتُكَبِّلُهُ وَتَحْبِسُهُ 
ولا استذلالها إلا أن يسلمها صاحبها للحبس والإذلال. He says Allah subhanahu wa taala does not want anyone to give up their freedom. Allah does not want anyone to give up their freedom. And material force and power, however strong it is, cannot enslave a person who wants freedom. The most this worldly powers can do is to inflict pain on the body by hurting the body or imprisoning the body or tormenting or punishing that body. But the spirit, the soul is free. The mind is free. And nobody can make it slave. The world around you can inflict pain on your body. They can force you to go to jail. They can punish you and torture you. But if you have a free mind, nobody can make that mind in an enslaved form. Unless you make it a slave yourself. من ذا الذي يملك أن يجعل أولئك الضعفاء تبعا للمستكبرين في العقيدة وفي التفكير وفي السلوك Who can make those weak people follow the strong, the arrogant in belief and in behavior من ذا الذي يملك أن يجعل أولئك الضعفاء يدينون لغير الله والله هو خالقهم ورازقهم Who can make those weak follow and be slaves of the arrogant when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created them and Allah is the one who is sustaining them and providing them. لا أحد. No one can do that. لا أحد إلا أنفسهم الضعيفة. Only their weak spirits. No one can make a mind, a follower of falsehood except if you have a weak spirit. And then he says, فهم ضعفاء لا لأنهم أقل قوة مادية من الطغاة They are not weak because they have less power than the strong They are weak because they wanted to be weak إنما هم ضعفاء لأن الضعف في أرواحهم وفي قلوبهم They are weak because the weakness is in their hearts and in their spirits And then he says إن المستضعفين كثرة والطواغيت قلة فمن ذا الذي يخضع الكثرة للقلة How many are the weak? Many The masses are weak and how many are the tyrants? A few. Who can, who gave those few tyrants authority over the masses, over the many? Who gave them that authority? He says, The tyrants cannot make the masses slaves except when the masses accept it. When the masses accept it. And then he says, it is the weak will that is missing from these herds. They're herds, like sheep. Because they have weak will. We'll read some other verses regarding this same topic of Al-Atba'a. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّبِعُوا سَبِيلَنَا وَلْنَحْمِلْ خَطَايَاكُمْ وَمَا هُمْ بِحَامِلِينَ مِنْ خَطَايَاهُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ And those who disbelieve say to those who believe follow our way and we will verily bear your sins. The people of Quraysh, they would come to the followers of Muhammad and they would say follow us. We're going to take care of your sins. Don't worry. And the same thing is happening today. The leaders are always guaranteeing things for the followers. Follow us, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. If you follow us, we have the solution for you. We'll give you the key to paradise. 
There are many religious leaders and many political leaders who are always promising their people the solution. They say, we have the keys to paradise or we have the keys to your salvation. What will happen on the day of judgment? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا هُمْ بِحَامِلِينَ مِنْ خَطَايَاهُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ They will not bear anything of their sins. They are lying. They will not bear anybody's sins. What will happen is, وَلَيَحْمِلُنَّ أَثْقَالَهُمْ وَأَثْقَالًا مَعَ أَثْقَالِهِمْ وَلَيُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَمَّا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ Allah says that these leaders are going to carry their sins and are going to carry the sins of their followers without reducing any of the sins of their followers. Rasulullah says in Al-Bukhari, whoever calls people to a righteous act, that person would be rewarded the same rewards of anyone who adopts that act until the Day of Judgment. And whoever calls people to falsehood, would carry the sins of that falsehood and the sins of anyone who commits that falsehood until the Day of Judgment. So if you guide one person to the truth, everything that that person does, you will receive the same rewards without reducing the reward of the person. And then if that person conveys the truth to another five people, then you would receive all of the rewards of those five people. And then if those five people Give da'wah to 25, same thing would happen. It's even a better deal than Amway would give you. Amway, they only give you a portion of the uh, profits. Here you are receiving all the profits completely without reducing any of their profits. And that is the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But also on the other side, if you call to falsehood, if you are a cause of any evil, then you would carry the punishment of that evil act and anyone who adopts it after you until the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them on the Day of Judgment. وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذِ الظَّالِمُونَ مَوْقُوفُونَ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ يَرْجِعُ بَعْضُهُمْ يَرْجِعُ بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَى بَعْضٍ الْقَوْلَ يَقُولُ الَّذِينَ اسْتُضْعِفُوا يقول الذين استضعفوا للذين استكبروا لولا أنتم لكنا مؤمنين. But if you could see when the wrongdoers will be made to stand before their Lord. يرجع بعضهم إلى بعض القول يقول الذين استضعفوا للذين استكبروا لولا أنتم لكنا مؤمنين. How they will cast the word. One to another. Those who were deemed weak will say to those who were arrogant, Had it not been for you, we should have certainly been believers. Allah will bring the followers and the followed on the Day of Judgment. And they will argue with each other. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَرْجِعُ بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ الْقَوْلِ They're casting words against each other. They're blaming each other. They're cursing each other. And they're saying, the weak are saying, Because of you, we are disbelievers. They're blaming it on their leaders. And who are the leaders? The leaders could be the religious leaders. It could be the media, CNN or ABC or whoever. Because now if you walk in the street and you ask any person you see, their perception about Islam, almost certainly it will be a negative perception. 
Where did that negative perception come from? It came from the media. Hollywood has been developing this for decades. And there are books written, there's a book written by Edward Said, it's called The TV Arab. It's specifically talking about the Arabs, but it also refers a lot to uh, Islam. And it goes through the history of Hollywood from the beginning until now. It shows you that consistently, always, Islam and Muslims have been presented in a negative view. Always. It is an exception through the history of the media to find any good presentation of Islam or Muslims. It is an exception. As one of the leading Western writers says, Islam is the blind spot of the West. The perception is always negative. Where did this come from? It came from the leaders of the media and the leaders of politics, the ones who are benefiting from the status quo who never want the truth to be exposed. The people are going to see the reality on the Day of Judgment and they're going to know who the cause of misleading them was. So they're going to blame them and they're going to say, because of you, we are disbelievers now. What will their leaders say? قَالَ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا لِلَّذِينَ اسْتُضْعِفُوا أَنَحْنُ صَدَدْنَاكُمْ عَنِ الْهُدَى بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَكُمْ بَلْ كُنْتُمْ مُجْرِمِينَ And those who are arrogant will say to those who are deemed weak, Did we keep you back from guidance after it has come to you? Nay, but you were criminals yourselves. The disbelievers will say, it is not us who misguided you. You cannot blame us. You were committing wrong against yourselves because the truth was there. The truth was there. You cannot blame us for it. You had Quran. You had the truth. Why didn't you go and search for it yourself? Why did you trust our reports? Why didn't you go and verify the truth yourself? And uh, many times, the ones who do go and attempt to verify in the end, they would come to the conclusion of the truth. For further information, please contact Al Bashir Publications and Translations at 1 745 3330 or 303 574 0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www.albashir.com That's www.al-b-a-s-h-e-e-r.com You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264 Please proceed to the next CD.